planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome, everybody. Hope everyone is having a great week. Finally, we are in the second week of May, and it's beautiful here in the greater New York City area. Finally, we're getting a taste of summer. Hope the same for you wherever you are. Again, this is right. We're in the middle of Q2, and we hope everyone is having a spectacular year with your results in terms of your revenue and your profit uh, acceleration strategies that we often talk about. Again, we uh, if you have any questions in regards to any particular goals, uh, revenue goals, and, and l- ways to increase your profit, feel free to reach out to us here at chris at sustainablesuccess.net or chris at christophersalem.com. Either way, someone will get back to you, and we'd be happy to chat with you and how we can help you. Today's show is being brought to you today by Biz Explosion Conferences. They are the organizers of the event, the Achieve Biz Explosion Conference, taking place in Denver, Colorado, next month, June 9th through the 10th. This is an event that brings in entrepreneurs from around the country as an opportunity to not only network and get to know each other, as particularly where you can collaborate, but an opportunity to really elevate and grow your business. They offer a wealth of different learning programs while they're helping you to take your business to the next level. Feel free to reach out to them at achievebizconferences.com. Again, that is achieve, or excuse me, achievebizconferences.com, B-I-Z. And again, uh, that'll be June 9th through the 10th. I'm going to be there myself. I'll be doing the keynote at the event, and we'd love to see you there. I've been there before, and it is wonderful people, wonderful event. Uh, today's show uh, is going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about rigging the game. And, uh, I, and I know a lot of us here now that we are now part of the business channel here at Voice America. You're really going to love this one. And we're going to be with Dan Nicholson. He's going to be talking about what rigging the game is in your business. Dan's a best-selling author, entrepreneur, and a certainty advisor. He has been a serial entrepreneur since birth. He's been the founder of multiple companies across finance, accounting, and software. But his real passion is teaching entrepreneurs and small business owners in itself. He takes the conventional and applies it to the non-conventional by helping purpose-driven entrepreneurs achieve financial certainty. That's going to be the focus today. He is the founder of Certainty You and creator of a 20-week entrepreneurial educational course and certification called uh, Certified Certainty Advisor, CCA. The CCA course teaches concepts, principles, and action steps to becoming an extraordinary leader and reaching the top 1% in your industry. And you will learn more about that here later in the show. And without further ado, we welcome Dan Nicholson to the show. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Chris. Thanks for having me on. We had such a pleasure. You and I have had the opportunity to be introduced to a mutual friend, Trisha Burke, and you've been on one of my other shows. And you just, I mean, you really just provided so much value about rigging the game. Can we talk about the concept rigging the game? Because I guess a lot of people could hear that and kind of run with that in many different directions. Yeah, I love to use phrases and terms that uh, pique <laughs> people's interest and are a little bit hyperbolic by, by its nature. Uh, when you hear rigging the game, a lot of people pause and they go, are you about to suggest some 
really unethical, unsavory strategies. <laughs> and uh, not at all, not at all. What I mean by rigging the game is really engineering luck. How do we engineer the outcome that we want on our terms without compromise? And so that's what rigging the game is uh, to me. And I uh, built what I call an operating system, just a way of thinking and navigating through not just business decisions, but life decisions to really get closer to what really matters to you. Wow. It's, I love what you just said about creating your luck, you know, and many times people will hear that, like, cause there sometimes people think that, you know, luck just happens to certain people or, you know, but, but we have to be prepared and we have to be able to create our luck. And you, can you talk a little bit about that concept? Well, I would love to, because I'm super passionate about this concept. We live in a world where we think that more is the answer to everything. And in fact, it's 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 programmed into us. It's part of our biology. Dopamine is the molecule of more. And so we are constantly taking on more obligation, more and more obligation. And there are consequences to that. Yes, sometimes it does have really, really positive outcomes for you, your effort and hustle. There's a place for that. But there is also a consequence where you put yourself in a position where you can't capitalize on the real opportunities that are going to move the needle for you. So what I teach folks as part of this kind of operating system of rigging the game is that we're looking for the least amount of effort with the least amount of risk so that we have the most amount of options. And what we've been doing is taking the most amount of effort in everything that we do and the most amount of risk and the consequences, we have no options. Things have to work. And so we're, when we're in periods like we are right now where there's a lot of economic uncertainty, uh, we can't capitalize on all the things that are on sale right now. Right. And so part of, again, engineering luck is putting yourself in a position where when these opportunities avail themselves, and we don't know when they will be necessarily, we might have a reasonable esp estimation, but when they become available, we have the resources to capitalize. Love that. And love that. And, and why, I mean, you know, when you look at this in today's world, why do you feel like right now is like the ideal time for people to really really now not just you know kind of get to have an idea what this is but why it's so necessary right now to create our luck especially in this world that we're in well let's go back 2008 time frame the the unfortunate financial meltdown and then you fast forward five years from that from that period what happened the the gap between the one percent and everyone else increased and the gap between the 0.1 percent and the one percent increased even more Right? And then you go out another five years of what happened. The gap between the 1% and the 99% uh, expanded significantly. I'm talking about net worth, uh, liquidity, et cetera. Um, and that's because uh, those who are in the, I'm making some generalities here, but those in the 1% yep. and the 0.1%, they put themselves in a position so that when things go on sale on discount, they can capitalize while everyone else is acting in fear. And so the 99% end up being the exit liquidity. So what happens? The market slows down. Uh, as the market's slowing down, those who are engineering luck, they're, they're, cap they're 
generating more liquidity. They're getting more cash to be in a position to take advantage of these discounts. So market starts to slow down. They move themselves into a position to have more liquidity. Everyone starts panicking. There's a sell-off. They take advantage of these uh, assets on a discount, acquire them. Then everyone else starts to see, hey, the market's picking up. They get back in. So there's FOMO that kicks in. They get back in. The market takes off. The people who bought at a discount, they're now selling to you. You're their exit liquidity. They're capitalizing. And then it repeats itself. So now we're in another one of those situations right now with the banking meltdown, concerns about inflation, just all the uncertainty, election cycle coming up, that always creates uncertainty. And so you see all that fear. And so we're going to start to hear about how there's more cash on the sidelines, just like we heard back in 2008, 2009. That is those people who are engineering luck getting ready for those things to go on discount. And so you have to sort of make some decisions about how you're going to exist during these periods of uncertainty. Mm. Yeah. And, and and like you said, that was during a time where we didn't know what, I mean, everything just imploded, right? We, we Lehman brothers and certain, you know, organizations that we would never have dreamed that went, you know, went out of business. We did, you know, we just saw everything falling, you know, falling, going South, but, it, yeah. but there are people that saw that there was opportunities to, to grow and expand and, and they, created their position for luck by doing certain things. I mean, does that require Dan, like a, is it like a certain way of thinking? Does it require certain habits, you know, certain things that maybe that people have to kind of change the way they look at things over time in order to kind of like put themselves in that position or, you know, sometimes people might think that just comes natural to certain people and not for others. There are a few people in the world that this just comes naturally to. The, the billionaires, the Bill Gates of the world, the Mark Zuckerberg, the Elon Musks, they, for whatever reason, were born with this. I'll call it a gift. Now, depending on your perspective on those individuals, you may feel differently, but uh, they naturally see what I call asymmetry to the upside. And what that just means is that the the upside, the possibility of a positive outcome is significantly greater than the possibility of a bad thing. 100x, 1000x, they just naturally see it. They see the world differently. Uh, I'm not that person. I wish I was that person, but there's, I don't know, a handful of them that exist. And so when we first off, we just have to acknowledge that we might not be that person. And so therefore we need to develop our own set of tools so that we can engineer this asymmetry, uh, find it because we're not going to naturally see it. In fact, not only are we going to not naturally see it, we're going to gravitate towards things that have significantly more downside than upside. So we're actually gonna tend to do the opposite. And so we need to recognize that and start building some systems and constraints to uh, prevent ourselves from doing that. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, it, I mean, it's like you said, there's like, there are certain people, but, but it's something that we, you know, that if, if not, if it doesn't come natural, it's something we can, we can condition ourselves if we choose to, to do that in order to set better habits in place, to, to be more disciplined, to think in a different way so that we can begin to see 
opportunities and blessings disguised in these challenges or setbacks or problems, whatever that may be. 100%. That's actually what I've endeavored to do in my book, Reading the Game, which is really the byproduct of having to uh, learn from a ton of mistakes that I personally made over the years where I thought I had done all the research, got all the degrees and certifications and et cetera, and had to keep reflecting on how do I keep finding myself in this position? So there is a different way you can develop the skills. It starts with accepting some truths that you may not want to accept about the world and about yourself. Mm. So true. So, so in essence, this is a process. It's something that's ongoing. And, you know, mistakes are actually, you know, I look back at my mistakes, as long as I didn't repeat them over and over again, that would be different. But that I that if I could learn, I learned more from my mistakes than I did my successes. That's right. A lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hallmark of, it's called double loop learning. It's, uh, I learned about this from um, a Harvard business review case called teaching smart people how to learn. And uh, it's called double loop learning, which is you do the thing, then you reflect on the outcome and then you engage again. And that's the path to doing extraordinary things is the reflect and then engage again. Many times what happens is that we do the thing, it blows up, and then we don't wanna reflect because it's too painful. So we never reflect and then we never engage again. And so mm. we left all of the actual opportunity on the table because we weren't willing to pay the price of the self-reflection. Yeah, no, so, so true. And yeah, I, I, I know, like, I mean, in, in, correct me or if you see it, I know when I, back 25 years ago, when I decided to use discipline and, and use and be consistent at certain things that I knew that would serve me forward, even though I may have not liked it at first, a matter of fact, that, you know, it was very difficult. But once I just did it, just like Nike says, just do it, I did it. It got easier over time, but I began to like see things differently. Like I didn't allow fear to mm. consume me, and, and I was able to, you know, take more risks—not like foolish risks, but calculated mm. risks. This yeah. this sort of goes back to accepting some truths. So, if you endeavor to do something extraordinary, and that choose your own adventure. What I would describe as extraordinary might be different than what you would, Chris, and that's okay. We don't need to fight about that. Unfortunately, so much of the world is spent fighting about Oh yeah, what I call preferences, but we want to view them as right or wrong. So if we want to endeavor to do something extraordinary, then you're going to pay the price. But you're going to pay the price regardless, because I would argue you pay full price on your unused potential as well. Yeah. And you see people who blow themselves up because they're so dissatisfied with life because they aren't leveraging their unique skills and gifts and pursuing the things that they're passionate about. So you pay the price either way, right? Sometimes it's just more nefarious. But if you're going to endeavor to do something extraordinary, there's these two tyrants. I learned them from my mentor, Randy Massengale. I talk about them in my book. Two tyrants of leadership. I wish I came up with this because it's brilliant. Tyrant number one, scrutiny. Uh, as you try to do something new, everyone's going to tell you, why it's a bad idea not everyone but many people might and unfortunately often the people who will be the most vocal are the people that you love the most because they think they're trying to help you you know they're yeah. trying to prevent harm so it's with good intention 
but it still hurts. So you get all this scrutiny. So that's the first tyrant, and that's part of paying the price. The second is expectations. Mm. So, so, and it comes from the same person who was scrutinizing you. And Chris, I know that you, you've experienced this because you've done a lot of extraordinary things yourself, is that the same person who's like, are you sure? You know, you've had three other things that have failed before. Why is this one going to work? Then when it works, they go, well, of course, Chris would get this amazing speaking gig. Of course, Chris would have this business venture that turns out, you're like, hold on, weren't you the person who was scrutinizing me? But the expectations <laughs> come. Yeah. And so you have to just, this is a, this is a truth, I believe, fundamental truth. You have to accept that this is part of the process and not let it hold you back. It's going to happen. Yeah, that is. And, and part of the trusting that process, I know we're getting close to our first break, for me was learning how to let go of the control I couldn't control. I can only focus on what I can in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we are all biased. Part of my, my sort of journey to quote unquote, figure this stuff out was recognizing that we are all biased and and, and we we want to point at other people and say look at how biased they are look at their flawed thinking and and then at the same point we want people to assume that our intentions are always good and that creates a trap for you uh, in many respects but the sooner you recognize that there are these unconscious biases that control so many of your day-to-day -day activities, the sooner that you can start making allowances to account for that. Yeah. And uh, that's what, when you start to study the folks who have done extraordinary things in the extremes, they make a lot of allowances for the fact that their thinking is going to be flawed and they will get sucked into FOMO or all or nothing thinking, overgeneralizations, et cetera. Yeah, just the, all the things like you, what you just said that could be triggered by fear, playing it safe and, and loss aversion. Yeah, humans were controlled by loss aversion. Ray Dalio, the famous uh, hedge fund manager, he said, "As soon as I started realizing or thinking, not that I'm right, but how do I know I'm right? Everything changed." Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Very, and he's a very wise man. I know I. He doesn't live too far from me, about 30 minutes. So I know. <laughs> the, yeah, He's very close. Legacy and the results sort of speak for themselves. That exactly. turning the mirror on yourself. Well, I know, Dan, you got more to share here with uh, about the rigging the game, just some great knowledge and kind of setting the stage what we're going to talk about here uh, when we come back to break. Again, if you're just joining us, we're here with Dan Nicholson. We're talking about rigging the game. You'll get to know Dan a little bit more. Uh, we got to go to break, but when we come right back, we got more to come with some great insights and wisdoms and strategies to help rig your game for the best in a positive way to take you and your business to the next level. We'll be right back after the break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. 
Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back, everybody. If you're just joining us here, we are talking about rigging the game. Again, that isn't a good way. So if you missed the first segment, you should definitely listen to this in its entirety here later today on demand here at the Voice America Business Channel. Again, we're here with Dan Nicholson talking about rigging the game. And again, Dan left a lot of golden nuggets in talking about the whole the concept of rigging the game and ways that we can create luck in our businesses and personal life. You know, so kind of kind of go hand in hand. So, Dan, I know you talk a lot about you know. There's always like I guess when when there's a problem, you know, there you know there's there's going to be a solution that could be right around the corner. You talk about a concept called the solvable problem. Can you share some insights with the listeners, those listening now, and those that will be listening later, of course, about how do we go about looking at the solvable problem? Well, years ago, I was speaking at this uh, CFO conference, which I'm sure everyone's jealous. They weren't there with 300 other uh, uh, exciting CFOs and accountants. <laughs> and uh, I was talking about how to how they could grow and scale their their practices. And I kept getting the same questions they were phrased slightly in a slightly different manner but they were the same question and i began to realize that everyone in the room had had commoditized their service and so constantly when you commoditize you're you start competing almost entirely off cost right who can do this for me the cheapest it's a commodity mm. so i realized always, that always a trap <laughs> total right. trap and i realized because so many uh, because we weren't actually connecting the dots for the businesses that we served and the business owners and how we were helping them get closer to what they really, really wanted. Because I believe that most people start a business, not just because they want money, but there's something more than that. There's legacy or there's freedom or there's redefining their industry. There's something more that they want. And so many of us will go through and we'll create these vision boards. I've done that multiple times. I got the picture of the six pack abs. I got the picture of like some idealized version of the awesome parent. I got a vacation property. I've got the the uh, nice cars, whatever it may be. And every time I've done that, I've felt a, a rush. felt really good afterwards. 
and I wake up earlier the next morning and for like a week or two, my activity picks up. And then after a couple of weeks, kind of go back to normal. And have I really made progress on the vision board? Uh, and I talked to other folks and they've explained a similar kind of experience. And that's because the vision board and what the CFOs, I'll type this all together in a minute, they haven't created a solvable problem. The, the six pack abs and the house and the great version of a parent, that doesn't tell me what resources I actually need to make that happen. It's not what I call a solvable problem. It's, so we have to take all these individual pieces of what we want out of our life and assign a dollar value to it. How much is a six pack abs gonna cost? Well, I probably gotta get a trainer. I have to eat better. I need to reserve more time in my day. There's a cost to that. It can be quantified to some extent. A cost and a time frame. I wanna have that in six, six months, a year, whatever it may be. And so by taking all these kind of abstract, intangible things and putting a date and a dollar value to it, we've now created a, a Google Maps of sorts for our life, a solvable problem. And we can look at our current resources, how much we actually have, and actually compute the additional resources that we need to achieve the life that we want. Now, if I do that for my clients, and I say, hey, you know what? You need to make another uh, $500,000 a year. For the, and if you do that over the next five years, you're going to be able to fund everything that you wanted in your solvable problem. Once I have that, I can show them the path with the least amount of effort and the least amount of risk. Hey, you know what? If we do these five things, I can save you 500 grand a year in taxes. You don't need to work anymore or you need to work harder. Here's the path of least resistance. Uh, and so it allows a service provider, once they've helped them with their solvable problem, to then demonstrate how the work they're doing is actually getting them closer to the life that they want. That's a much more valuable person who's helping me live the life that I want than just someone who's a commodity doing work. Yeah, that's no, very, very interesting. I, I love that concept. And what would you say, like somebody that, you know, that they're, they're, lit, they're hearing this now for the first time? Um, or perhaps they, you know, maybe perhaps they, uh, you know, what would be the first step that you would recommend to them? Yeah, I have this concept. First, we optimize and we maximize. Maximize is where people get in a, a big trap because they want to do everything now. Uh, and every system has constraints. You cannot do everything now. If you could, you'd already be rich and you'd have, you'd be Scrooge McDuck and you have a huge vault of gold coins. So we'd have to optimize, figure out the number one most important thing to you. What's the, and allocate as many resources as you can towards that objective because we build momentum. See, when I introduce a solvable problem to many people, they, they spend the next year trying to just get the number correct and they don't make any progress. Like I'm just trying to yeah. get vision board and all those pieces as accurate as possible. And I got all, like 12 different spreadsheets and I've actually made no progress. So actually what we want to do is figure out the main thing or just get a starting point and then start making progress. Life is an infinite game anyways. So after you achieve the number one priority, the number two priority might be something totally different than what you thought it would be anyways. Mm. So optimize what's the most efficient path forward. Just get a number, get the main thing. 
as more information comes available, reserve the right to change your mind, adjust the number. That's part of life. You're going to keep changing the number, the things that you want. Simply because oftentimes we don't actually know what we're capable of doing. And so once we achieve the first thing, we go, oh, you know what? I didn't actually think that was going to happen. So I'm going to dream a little bit bigger. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, again, you know, I always say like, you know, I, I, I never look at things for what I think it should be, what it, I look at it, what it is, but then I look at how can I maximize what I can within my control? That's all I can do at that point in that time. And that was very hard for me to do back in, back in the day when, when I saw everything happening to me, not for me, you know, so to speak. Is well, the victim this, or the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry to jump in because I get excited about this. This is where no, the, please do. The, please the biases do. really work against us. And you can study. This is where it really hit me. Uh, and I read Thinking Fast and Slow that talks about kind of the neuroscience behind biases. And it's really dense reading. But when it really hit me is I learned about this uh, bias called the G.I. Joe bias. And you can Google that, and there's like a two-minute explainer video from a PhD from Yale, I think, faculty member. And the GI Joe bias is basically, even though you know the the bias exists, it still impacts you. And even though you know you know, it's going to impact you as well. So loss aversion, even though you know the concept, it's still probably going to impact you at times. Anchoring bias, you can know what that is, still going to impact you. Because at the end of the day, uh, our brain is wired to make decisions as quickly as possible. Otherwise, how could you exist in the world? And so it can only make fast decisions by having certain assumptions that it defaults to or biases. And so that's, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. You just should accept the fact that that's part of being a human. Yeah. Wow. No, it's so, so true. So, so true. So what would be like, again, you know, giving if, you know, a, a, a simple process that you had just when you cover about the solvable problem, you know, uh, what would be the next step? What would be some things that, you know, people could start implementing to kind of like see things like, you know, again, problems as opportunities to grow. So they're, they're solvable, that type of thing. Anything else that you could share within that process? Yeah. Well, I'll give you in, a, in the, my book, Reading the Game, I, I give some a process to create your solvable problem in, in more detail. And then I have an app called the Certainty App where you can use this and track it if you want. But uh, the the sort of financial solvable problem is divided into two buckets. Bucket one is what I call core priorities. These are the things I found everybody has. They want to be able to pay off their debt. Uh, they want to have a certain amount of cash reserves, three to six months, and they want to have enough money where they don't have to work. Some people call that retirement, but for most of us who are entrepreneurs, we just want the option to not have to work. We want the option to take on whatever client. So those are your core priorities. If you can fund all three of those, that would be what I believe is the kind of conventional definition of financial security. I have financial security if I have those three things. I have yet to have someone argue with me about those. Uh, no, I, the, I agree because you, like you said, you have options, right? You got, you have options. You're not, you don't have one or two. You have, you have, a, a, you have more, which gives you more flexibility to do what you know, you know, create more life on your terms, so to speak. Absolutely. Yep. So, debt, the debt piece. What you just look at what the balances are in your debt. 
uh, cash reserves. You look at your spending and you decide, do I want three months, four months, you know, up to six months? That's a certain amount of personal preference. And how much stability do you feel like you have around your source of income? And then retirement, uh, there's some, the, the quickest back of hand is to take the uh, your annual spending times 25. And that's a rough starting point for a number of what you probably need to not have to work. So that can be your sort of core priorities. Uh, then we get to the second piece, which is what I call your preference-based priorities. These are the things that we get judged about, we argue about, we think there's a right or wrong, but there's not. It's what do you want? And that can be the vacation home, that can be helping your parents out with money, that could be retiring your spouse, paying for your kid's college, paying for your kids to go to private school, whatever it may be, there's no right or wrong. You list them down to the best of your ability. And again, the point is not to get this correct because there's no answer key. There's no correct. No one's grading this except for you. So you're just trying to be as accurate as you can. So you list out all the preferences, dollar amount, date. If you can fund all of those things, your core priorities and your preference-based priorities, then I would say you have financial certainty. Financial certainty in my world is funding what you want on your timeline without compromise. The compromise mm -hmm. is uh, not becoming someone that you're not because those people who become someone that they're not end up blowing themselves up later. Mm. They're never fulfilled. They're never fulfilled. And that again is, and that's a something that's work they have to do on the inside uh, on a daily basis. Yeah. Sun Tzu says, know yourself, know your enemy. You can fight a hundred battles without peril. So, so much of this journey is the battles that we fight with ourselves. And so you can get all the money and uh, you can do all those things. I've tried, uh, but you, you're still in the center of that equation. And so you're still having that battle with yourself uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, maybe on second-by-second -second basis. So uh, you can ignore it, but it keeps coming back. Yeah. I think uh, things that we that we don't address or we don't learn, they, they repeat themselves. <laughs> yeah, and when you're going through this battle, Again, if you're trying to do something extraordinary, you talk about the two tyrants, you're going to get the scrutiny, you're going to get the expectations. There's also this thing that happens, which is you're a catalyst. Now, a catalyst is something that changes what it interacts with. So it changes the world around it, but it doesn't change itself. So in a, there's catalysts in like chemistry, right? It changes the other elements, but it does, it does not change itself its constitution is still the same. So as someone who's going to do something extraordinary, you have to be able to change the people around you uh, without necessarily changing yourself. You don't need to become someone that you're not. Now that becomes really problematic because as a catalyst, almost everyone else that you're dealing with, they're beneficiaries. They benefit from what you're doing. And so that's why they get to scrutinize you. And that's why they get to put the expectations on you because they're the beneficiary. And so the key is that you don't, you recognize that paradigm. You recognize that you're the catalyst. And so you're at the center of everything. You have to protect your identity, who you are. And ultimately what I would say is you have to play your game. Yeah. Well, when you say that, when you say play your game, <laughs> 
is that meaning that everybody has their their i mean we we might do we might do certain things that are you know that are universal to get us somewhere but it's like your process right you're getting you to you trusting your process to get to where you where you desire to be yeah. we go through uh education systems interacting with the world and what we are all, all the external stimuli encourages us to conform to conform with everyone else you know you go through uh school system right and you get penalized if you are different than everyone else right the the brightest kid in the room might not get the same attention if they're louder than everyone else right because the teacher needs you to they're trying to maintain order i mean i get it i'm not trying to criticize teachers or anything but but like uh by any means uh but they need everyone to raise their hand get in line etc uh, to maintain that order. So if you go through conventional education and then you go through college and if you get an advanced degree, you've now maybe had 25, 30 years of a bunch of conditioning that's encouraging you to conform with everyone else. Now that's really difficult because if you're trying to do something extraordinary, that means you're doing something that's not ordinary, it's extraordinary. Right. So we try to do something extraordinary, but we end up conforming to the strategies of the average. What is everyone else doing? And when we do that, we guarantee that we're not going to do something extraordinary. It's like a logical fallacy or a trap. I, I would I call it we're running a race against ourselves. So the solution to it is leaning into our natural strengths gifts, who we are, how we see the world, and unapologetically leaning into those things because it's required to do something extraordinary. Yeah. It's really difficult. In our certification program, the CCA, we have we spend eight weeks, the first eight weeks on what it means to be an extraordinary leader. And we provide all the data and the research and examples and yep. in my mentor Randy Massengale, he helps teach this and uh, he used to be a senior advisor to Bill Gates and yep. on and on and on. And so he knows firsthand what it takes to be an extraordinary leader. And through yeah. that, we talk about playing your game and people kind of nod their heads yep. and uh, we give them a framework at the end on yep. how, to, how to figure out what their game is. And usually it's 12 to 18 months later where they go, I thought this was a bunch of BS, like you're wasting my time. Uh, and they point. see they see the light. <laughs> and it took I, I want I, I want I to expand on that because we have to go to break right now, but I wanted to make sure, I want to I want to expand on that experience that you're about to describe. Can we save it till the third oh, second? Please. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, everybody, we got to go to break right now, but when we come back, we're listening to Dan Nicholson, Rigging the Game. I hope, that, again, this information that you're hearing, this is valuable information. You're going to get an opportunity to get to know Dan even more so when we provide his contact information here later in the show. We got to go to break. When we come right back, we got more rigging the game. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. What is balance? 
It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back, everybody. If you're just joining us, we're talking about rigging the game with Dan Nicholson. Again, our show is being brought to you today by Achieve Biz Conferences. Again, they have their event, Achieve Biz Explosion Conference, taking place in Denver, Colorado, June 9th through the 10th. Again, you can go to AchieveBizConferences.com, B-I-Z, and check it out. Uh, Definitely, we give a high endorsement for that event. I've been there personally, and I will be there myself in June. I look forward to seeing you there. Again, AchieveBizConferences.com. Dan, you you had gave, gave us some valuable information in the second segment about you know the solvable problem, and at, towards the end of the segment, you were really you know talking about like a lot of times people don't see the the effort or like what is the results of that process they they've gone through. You were just talking about some leaders that might you know say twelve to eighteen months after they've gone through this process that they begin to see the fruits of their efforts. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the where you left off. Yeah, the the well, first off on that event on June 9th, Dem- Denver is lovely that time of year. So yes, we're yes. thinking about going out there. That's a good time of year to go out there. Um, so talking about playing your game, and uh, my belief is that we need to spend more time leaning into our default strengths. We spend so much time negativity bias, so much time thinking about what we're not good at, and trying to fix that. The people who are doing things that are truly extraordinary, they play to their strengths, understanding your game. I had to unlearn a lot of things that I was doing because I went to business school and I was trying to be someone that I'm not. And recognizing that uh, if I were to look at how I showed up in my favorite sport or hobby as a kid, I could draw some inferences to what my game might be. learn. Uh, this was an exercise I went through. My favorite sport or hobby was basketball and uh, tall, uh, but not not tall as far as basketball is concerned. Uh, you know, elite basketball, six foot two now, but I was always a tall kid growing up. And so they wanted to put me under the hoop. And uh, but I really wanted to be the shooting guard and uh, have the ball in my hands 
but I'm not the most athletically gifted human. And so I had to hustle, dive on the floor, but I'm willing to have the ball in my hands and take the last shot. And that's how I need to play business. That's when I'm the, the happiest, right? I have the ball in my hand. So I'm the decision maker. I'm willing to take the risks. Sometimes I need to hustle. Uh, when I am playing someone else's game, when I'm um, seeking consensus, delegating, letting other people, in terms of delegating strategy or decision-making, trying to look for answers from somebody else, uh, I'm unhappy. And I start uh, subconsciously at least doing things that that uh, are not productive, don't benefit me or the, the business or businesses. And so I come back to that's my game now, and that's my strength, taking the shots, having a lot of uh, opportunities, being willing to take calculated risks. Of course, the downside is sometimes you take too many shots. So every, so you got to recognize also, maybe I take it too far. So that's my game. That's an exercise you can do. I'll talk about it in more detail in my book. That's an exercise you can do to help figure out your tendencies, but also how you can use that in your interview process. So if I need someone on my team who's a really strong individual contributor, I maybe look for someone whose uh, favorite sport or hobby is an individual contributor sport, like tennis, golf. Maybe they um, liked knitting or some other thing that is uh, reading. Something's a very independent contributor, and I can learn more about them hearing about how they showed up in that hobby than I can asking them kind of the general human behavioral type questions. So that's sort of playing your game, knowing that allows you to do more of the stuff that you love and less of the stuff that you hate. Wow. I love that. I love that. So, I mean, in terms of doing that, it's like you talked a little bit about, you know, uh, with, with that, like resources, like you, you, would we, you know, there's so many resources out there and sometimes it can be confusing, but, Resources can help us in that case, right? Delegating some of that, whether it's a person, whether it's a an app or whatever, you know, it could be anything. Is it that you know, if we learn to take advantage of that, and now look, you know, Chat GBT, that can be a good thing or not a good thing, depending upon how you look at it. But, but nonetheless, these are resources that can definitely yeah, re help us. Re resources are scarce, and and every decision that we make removes an infinite number of other things we could have done with those resources. Mm. So uh, the game, and I'm working on, a. Uh, you mentioned AI, we're working on an a AI uh, trading platform and uh, in partnership with some other folks. So I can't give exact specifics until we officially launch this. But the data shows over the many years this has been under development that it can the the AI uh, technology consistently outperforms, uh, not because necessarily it makes the best decisions every time, but because it recovers faster than the market and traditional traders do. Do recovers and it reallocates those resources to something else that has more upside. And when it, if you can consistently catch yourself or recover from a bad decision faster and then take the time, money, energy, et cetera, and then reallocate it to something sooner 
and you do that day after day, the way that compounds is, is, is exponential in getting you closer to the life that you want. Yeah. We don't want to do that though. As humans with that loss aversion, we don't want to do that. Uh, we have ideas. We've told people that we have good ideas, new business ventures. And so, so much of our identity, especially in Western culture is I do what I say I'm going to do. And so if I say I'm going to start this business or this product, I got to see it through till the end. But Chris, say we're in, uh, going to meet up today for lunch and you beat me there and the restaurant is on fire, literally on fire. You don't walk in and sit down at the table and wait for me. Right? You're a reasonable guy. You don't seem like you have a death wish. As far as I can <laughs> yeah. You don't just sit there while there's, there's just flames. I don't want, I don't, I'm not, I don't want the hot plate. <laughs> you don't want the, <laughs> you know, sit there. You, you obviously, a new data has presented itself, nor do I get pissed at you. I don't show up and go, like, what's up, Chris? Why are we not eating lunch right now? Yeah. But so many, so that's obvious, a literal fire. But how many, uh, figurative fires do we have that we continue to do because we we do what we say we're going to do? That's a trap, absolute trap in our thinking. And so we have to reframe those things. I tell every partner, every employee, uh, I reserve the right to change my mind. My goal is to help us get there faster with the least amount of effort and the least amount of risk. Now, that, now my least amount of effort and your least amount of effort, Chris, is probably 10 times more effort than everyone else, most everyone else. Mm. It's just relative to all the options, let's take the path of least resistance. Relative to all the risks, let's take the least amount of risk. So it doesn't mean no risk. It doesn't mean no effort. And so uh, I'm going to reserve the right to change my mind. As soon as new information presents itself, we're going to reevaluate and decide if we want to opt back in or opt out. And so what that does is it allows you to recover resources sooner and reallocate them. Simple, but not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Never easy, but like, yeah, but it's, but just do it. We got to, you know, just, you got to just keep doing it. You got to keep moving the ball forward. You know, with, like I said, I try to live my life each, every day in business, focus on what I can control, let go of what I can't, but always, be moving something forward that I can. I'll give you a practical example. I have a, a, a longtime client when I first started working with her, she said, my number one goal is I want to buy a beach house. And uh, okay, when do you think you can do that? But she said five years. So, okay, let's go through your, uh, your profit and loss statement. Let's look at expenses by vendor for the last 12 months. So we look at the expenses by individual vendor. And I just asked her, which of these expenses are core, meaning the business can't operate without, without these expenses? We list those. Okay. All right. Now let's look at the ones that are not core. So if they're not a core expense, that means that it's speculation. It's some sort of bet that you've made that it's going to generate a return for you because you just told me the business doesn't need these expenses to exist. So let's go through them and let's look at the data or what I call preponderance of data and show me what the return on investment is of these bets, because you've got like 40 different bets in your business right now. And that should be getting you at least 
10 to 12% return, right? Because that's what we could just get in the S&P 500. So we want our business to beat what the general market can do, right? So we go through it and we find that, that there's little evidence to support any return on investment on multiple things that she had on, on her list. Long story long, she bought the beach house 45 days later. Wow. And I could give you uh, many, many examples of this, of basically the same or similar outcome when you realize that I have a lot of bets that I'm making in my business that I can't show a return on. And therefore, it's not actually getting me closer. It doesn't have asymmetry to the upside. And so I need to figure out, should I continue doing this? What needs to be different so that I get the return I expected? And if I'm not willing to do those things, then stop doing it. Recover that money in time. Yeah. Reallocate it to the life that you want or to other investments. And that can be a monthly exercise. That can be a quarterly exercise, be a daily exercise. If, as eventually, it becomes instinct. We start recognizing these expenses that don't have a return that are speculation. Uh, I agree. I love that illustration that you gave, Dan, and I think that really resonates with uh, the listeners. We have less than a couple minutes left in the show. I want to make sure people get to know, first of all, get their hands on your book, Rigging the Game, number one. And then how can they get to know you, get to connect with you in best places they can reach out to you? Well, because I'm not particularly uh, uh, creative here, uh, if you go to riggingamazon.com, that'll take you to my book on amazon.com. If you go to riggingthegame.com, you'll find uh, a bunch of different links to my social media podcasts. That I, I've got a podcast called Rigging the Game, um, other kind of resources, et cetera. So riggingamazon.com will take you to the book. I'm hoping the book uh, eventually Amazon uh, says, hey, you know what? Cease and desist. We you can't own riggingamazon.com. That's a secret. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a life aspiration, I guess. Um, so yeah, rigging, rigging Amazon to the book, riggingthegame.com to all my other kind of links, etc. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I know we got about here about 40 seconds to the break until uh, the end of the show. In the next 15, 20 seconds, what, any, any final statement you'd like to leave the audience and those listening later? I would tell folks that uh, every resources are scarce. Uh, you do not have to um, fight with everyone else about biases and your preferences, et cetera. Uh, uh, you're allowed to, you have permission from me to pursue what you want with your life. The biggest risk in life outside of death is not living the life that you want. So if you're not taking actions to get you closer to what you want, what's the point? Love it. Well, Dan, I want to thank you personally for taking time out of your day to be with us here at Sustainable Success on the Voice America Business Channel. Again, all of us here at the Business Channel, we thank you so much for your time here today. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Thank you. And listeners, we want to thank you each and every week joining us here at Sustainable success. Again, we are now on the business channel. We went from influencers channel to the business channel. Again, you can listen to this show anytime here on demand here later today, uh, moving forward. And again, we'll see everybody here next Thursday, three to four o'clock East Coast time, 12 to one Pacific Standard Time. Again, reach out to us at Chris at ChristopherSalem.com with any questions from today's show 
or please get in contact with Dan, reach out to him directly, and make sure, again, you get a hands-on rigging the game book on Amazon. Till then, everybody, have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for tuning into Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an incredible week. 